Welcome to episode 132. Now, if you're here to push the envelope, well, you're in the right place. A lot of the time when we get sick or rules and regulations are thrust upon us in the name of health, we feel powerless about what we can do to help ourselves, our family, and our community. And so to help you do some research, I want to equip you with some better questions that will give you better answers to inform you even further. But I must warn you, this episode really is only for people that are brave enough to be challenged and rock up in the world in an authentic way and really dive into this line of questioning because it can be full on. You ready? Let's dive into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to another episode of the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. Whilst not getting sick and dying is a part of my mission, I'm also on a mission this year to coach 250 men and women to lose weight and be their healthiest self before the end of December 2021. Now, I had a different episode planned to come out today at this point in time, but I've decided to dive in here and interrupt the program because a big part of the reason I get up in the morning, the reason I got into nutrition and left Western medicine, which might be news to you, but I left Western medicine, um, the big reason that I speak on social media, I go to conferences, I speak at summits and hold seminars, and the reason this podcast exists is because I went on a journey that showed me the very dark side of the way that health is presented delivered and even mandated and even the culture around health and nutrition and wellness that has been created and manufactured is well it's dark there's some dark truths and I personally found this to be unacceptable and that something should be done about it and so today's episode comes in light of recent lockdowns that we've experienced here in Melbourne, Australia that are happening. And yes, you're listening to this podcast episode in June 2021. This isn't 2020. We're back here again, believe it or not, um, unfortunately. And so as we go into mask mandates and lockdowns again, I want to be able to supply you with a few more tools than you have right now to hopefully better equip you moving forward through this continued travesty right? The idea of this episode is to empower you to take control of your health and maybe even identify that for a period of time that may in fact be most of your life, you ignored the problem and outsourced this responsibility to your doctor or to your mum or blamed somebody else for it and you took on that victim mentality. But if you're listening to this podcast, you've definitely moved out of that chapter. So congratulations, right? But this is about empowering you even further to take control of your health, your family's health, educating your children and your family and your community to make different decisions and better decisions based on the questions you ask. The thing is, most people go through life looking for answers, right? But answers leave you stuck because once you have the answer, that's the end, right? That's the end. So we need to ask better questions because better questions lead to better answers and better answers usually lead to even more complex, interesting and deep questions. So question is now, how are we going to go about this? (laughs) I want to give you better questions so you can ask your friends, your family, security guards, police officers, and most importantly, at the moment at least, scientists, nurses, and doctors, and your naturopath maybe, and your nutritionist maybe, and your functional medicine practitioner maybe. All of them. I want you to ask these questions of everyone, right? Because the quality of the question that you ask directly dictates the quality of the answer that it is that is possible to receive. Let me give you an example. Let's ask a question. What color is shit? 
<laughs> the answer is brown. Well, it should be brown. If it's yellow, green or white or grey, you should definitely book in a session with me because we got some shit to work out. <laughs> but what colour is poo? Shit. It's brown. Okay. Poo is brown. Now, that was the utility of that question was basically fuck all. <laughs> it wasn't very useful, right? Let's ask a different question about the same topic. Okay. So the question is, why is poo important? Why is your crap important? The answer is because it provides significant information about how your gut and colon digest, process and extract nutrition to maintain the health of your cells and your body, as well as allowing us to see what's in there. We can test for bacteria, fungus and parasites that may be silently causing you some significant gut health problems. Now, the utility of the answer of the latter question was far superior to the former, but both questions were about poo, right? It was about your poop, okay? So, you understand that you've got to ask a different question. So, I'm going to give you better questions, but before you become the ultimate questioner, you must first unattach your identity from the answers that you want to hear. Most people ask questions not out of curiosity, not because they don't know, but to have their own beliefs and opinions confirmed by someone that is on the other side of their skull, aka that's not them. This is a really common thing. And if this happens to be you, that's totally cool. Sometimes it takes me a little while to come around on different topics. I know a few people in my life that could confirm this, (laughs) that have had many a debate with me about different things. But You know, sometimes it can take a little while to come around to things. But the point is, you must be open-minded. Open-minded enough to make changing your thoughts, feelings, and opinions possible, right? So the key here is to be a scientist and not a by-the-book scientist either. Because if my 10 years of science experience is anything to go on, the conventional scientists already know the answer to the question they're looking into because someone is paying for that answer. There is often a complete lack of genuine investigation, exploration or conclusion. It's all cultivated. And look, I totally get how business works and finances work and the industry works and like I get that side of things. But ultimately, that design and that industry means that the world suffers with the size of big tech, big pharma and big ag operating in ways like this. Anyway, I could go on a whole tangent about that. You must begin this process as a true scientist, and a true scientist is full of wonder, which sounds a bit corny, but it's true, right? They ask questions, they challenge ideas, they challenge their very own thoughts and their very own ideas, and they do not have their own identity tied to a particular outcome or conclusion. And I want you to think about this process, and and maybe this is a bit of a personal development exercise for you in all parts of your life, but I want you to think about this like shooting a basketball. You might not be very sporty, but you get the idea, right? So think about it like shooting a basketball. It's about the action of getting the ball in the hoop. It's about enjoying the fact that you can take a shot as many times as you like from anywhere that you like. The excitement is in the journey. It's in choosing where next you're going to take a shot from. How are you going to go about the shot? What technique are you going to use differently to try and get it in this time, right? It's about the journey. It's about the journey, the ability to take shots rather than simply just getting it in. If we just focus on getting it in, then we miss all the important parts that lead up to that outcome, right? So, same goes with these questions, right? Once you've got it in, it's cool. Once you find the answer, that's cool. But in order to get a better answer, we need to unattach ourselves from that answer, right? We want to ask questions and listen with pure curiosity. This is something that I try and do myself. This is something I do with clients as we work on the mindset piece of weight loss. If you're to be successful with navigating your mindset, well, 
around any roadblocks, but you know, with weight loss particularly, that you know, your subconscious is going to throw roadblocks at you and thoughts and opinions and judgments. So you've got to be ready for that. And to get around that, you must move forward with an attitude of curiosity. Okay. So those questions, you ready? We're gonna we're gonna dive into this. This might get a little spicy. Got some doozies for you, so stick around. <laughs> All right. I want to bounce between a little bit of a general everyday example and a health and medical version so that you can kind of contextualize it a bit. Now, look, I might be accused of, you know, drawing false equivalencies and that's probably fair enough, but I want to just explain it in a way that makes sense for you listening, right? So let's start with this. When your kid comes running in and has a blood nose or a bleeding finger or maybe your partner, you get a call, your partner's been in a car crash, what's the first thing you do? You ask, what happened? In other words, what caused the problem? Now, let's think about when we go to the doctor and have a problem. Do we ask the doctor that? Nah, because we've been cultured that that's how that interaction should go. It should not involve that question. And so the problem often never goes away and we keep going back to the doctor for the same problem. It never gets fixed because we didn't learn about the cause. We didn't find out what caused the problem, which would have allowed us to stop producing the same situation that caused that outcome, right? So a better question you might ask when you go to the doctor might be, what caused this problem? (laughs) Quite simply, right? Or what is the root cause of this symptom? right? That's an even better question to ask, right? Now, beware, most doctors are not educated or their industry is not regulated in a cause-based health model. Not their fault, but it's the truth. And so you may be told a number of things or even laughed at for asking this question. But remember, don't be attached to the answer you want to hear. Just keep asking better questions until you get better answers, okay? Not answers you're attached to, but better quality answers. Now, We know that diseases like diabetes, obesity, excessive body fat, um, even Alzheimer's uh, is is becoming a part of this group, some cancers and a host of other ills and ails are caused in part or in, you know, in major contribution or minor contribution, but are caused as a result of poor diet. Now, this is the reason I wanted to get into food. I felt food could have the biggest impact on overall physical health for humans, right? Because I saw that that was probably the biggest contributor to poor health and the research shows that well, the wrong food leads to really poor health outcomes like the diseases and illnesses I've just mentioned. So we know this and you just have to go to any medical website, even the World Health Organization website, dare I say it, we know this stuff. So... When your doctor offers you medication, you could ask a a different question. And this is not saying that the medication does not have utility, but this question could help you find and work with the cause, which is, if we know that food causes my disease, why are we not talking about food? That's a brilliant question, okay? Again, though, don't expect too many answers, which might lead you to the next question, because the next question is, why don't doctors receive education on nutrition? Now, some of them do, and it's a very small amount, right? It's in, it's in all medical degrees, but it's a very tiny portion. When I used to work at the hospital, I used to became a bit of a fun exercise for me, as you might know by now. I used to go around the hospital asking doctors how much uh, that I worked with, how much nutrition education they had ever had. And the most, the biggest, largest answer that I ever got was three lectures. 
the most common answer was one. Uh, and I had a friend a couple of years ago that finished her medical degree and I love her to pieces. She's a legend. I might get her on here one day. Uh, we debate about health and medicine all the time. We feel very differently about it, but we're not attached to the answers. So we still get on really well as friends. But she finished her medical degree uh, and I asked her, so, you know, and I was trying to get her on the podcast to say this, but um, and I won't name and shame. But I said, as you know, Australia's newest doctor, can you tell me what do you know about health, like uh, nu- nutrition and the way that that factors into health? And she literally put her arms up in a bit of a shrug and said, um, "Fibers important. Eat vegetables." That was it. That's all she had for me. And she was fresh out of uni. So most doctors we go and see haven't been in uni for ages. Now, don't get me wrong. There's tons of doctors out there that are part of this movement that I guess I'm kind of a part of, which is, you know, going and getting alternative nutrition and health education, which I think is should be mandated. But, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. Hey, hey, my listeners, what's up? If you're enjoying the episode thus far, please consider writing a review and dropping in five stars on the Apple podcast page of this show as it really does help the visibility of the podcast to guide other people to find it. And as well, it helps other curious people just like yourself prior to tuning into the show to see whether or not this podcast is a good fit. And I, of course, hope that it is. And so that's really the best way to support our work and what we do here on the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. Oh, and I also love seeing you share the episode on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and I often reshare those posts. So, be sure to give me a tag at Matty Lansdowne. Okay, let's get back into the episode. But back to the question, why don't doctors receive education on nutrition? This is a good question to ask because if, you've, if we go through the cycle of these questions, right, what caused the problem? If we know that food caused the problem, why are we not talking about food? Great question, right? The answer to that question might have taught you that my doctor doesn't know enough about food to have that conversation. So you might then say, why don't doctors receive education on nutrition? Irrelevant of the answer that you receive, you might then go and ask these questions to someone that does know about nutrition, right? And it might be a naturopath, it might be a functional medicine doctor, it might be a nutritionist. You know, it might, there's a whole range of, of functional medicine practitioners and different practitioners that are experts in nutrition, right? Remember, these questions are for you to start opening up conversations in a different way in your families and communities. Start asking until you find a really great and informative answer. Don't stop hunting because someone laughs or because someone doesn't know the answer, right? Now, let's turn to the biggest drama of our time. I'm almost too scared to say the words due to censorship. And your boy Maddie is not yet big enough, famous enough or rich enough to be able to risk it all. So I ain't going balls to the wall on this. But hey, look, if you genuinely do want to lose weight, clear your brain fog, boost your energy and even get your libido and sex life back in action and you feel like now is the right time to get that sorted, then I have got you covered and I would love to work with you. So we can get to work on that in a big way. There is a link in the show notes below to join my Facebook group. So scroll down, click the link and answer the group entry questions. That will begin the process of starting a conversation with me via Facebook Messenger about how we can work together in a way that really gets you on the path to losing weight and being your healthiest self. Because damn it, if being healthy now is not important, well, then I don't know if it ever will be. <laughs> okay, so back to that unnamed debacle. Let's ask some questions about that. Cross your fingers, guys. Well, let's hope we make it through this safely. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So question one, why if surgical and homemade masks do not filter air and in fact collect bacteria that sits on your face, 
why is this an effective way to keep the population from getting sick? I think that's a really great question. An interesting theory that uh, my own personal psychologist had, and he's a brilliant man, I love him, I love going to see him, it helps me sort through my shit. And uh, if you don't have a psychologist, I'd recommend getting one. Doesn't matter if you've got shit to work through or not, life's forever challenging. Anyway, um, random tangent. Uh, but his, his opinion of the masks were really interesting, or his theory. And he, he kind of thought that the masks were at, not really about health per se, but it was about tapping into the evolutionary psychology of fear, of the fear response, because humans naturally scan one another's hands and face, and you don't even know this is happening most of the time. You're constantly scanning people's hands and face to collect information that helps you determine whether or not that person is a danger or a threat or they are holding or concealing a weapon. And we do this because it's a survival instinct, right? And actually, it's kind of funny because I actually learned about this psychology in a course that I did on public speaking, which taught you about how to show up on stage and in front of people in a really honest way that made everybody feel safe and secure. And so this was his thought that that masks were actually you know, would force everyone away from each other through a deep evolutionary fear of not knowing if your fellow man was safe to be near you or not. Really quite genius when you think about it. In a really evil genius kind of way, that is. (laughs) But the point is that asking these questions are good things to ask. What about this idea? Here's another question. So say your partner who you dearly love buys a new car. He or she is super wrapped about it and you're loving how happy they are and they go for a drive and they're on the highway and an accident happens in their new car and they jam on the brakes at 100 kilometers an hour or 60 miles an hour and they are thrown through the window of the car 100 meters down the road and they die, right? Because their seatbelt failed. Apart from being devastated, who is the first person you're going to go after and ask questions to? The car company, right? The company that made the seatbelt and the car. And you're going to ask them, just like we started this podcast earlier, you're going to say, what happened? What caused this outcome? What was the root cause of the problem here? And then you'd probably sue the shit out of them because someone died because they didn't produce a safe enough seatbelt design, right? That makes sense. That's how the world runs with all products, right? All products you can basically, and America's got a real sue each other culture because, you know, standards are, standards exist. And if you don't meet the standard, well, maybe you should be punished. And I'm not here to be the judge on that, but, you know, The point is it's there to protect us in many ways, the capacity to defend yourself if a business or product or service wrongs you, right? So that prepares your brain for this question. This is a big one. Hold on to your fucking seat. Why do vaccine companies have legal immunity from being sued if someone gets sick or dies from injecting and consuming their product? I would say that this is one of the most important questions that you could ever ask in our time, in this dilemma. Even before this, I was, you know, I was with groups of people that were asking these questions and now it's in the front of all our minds. This is a question you should be asking. Let me ask you this. When you watch a, a gory or messed up movie that maybe has some murder in it or some suicide or some blood and guts or even some sex scenes, why do you do that? in a way that is distant from your children, in a place that your children cannot walk in and see it. You do it to protect them so they don't know the horrible truths that can happen in the world. Because behind the curtain of childhood naivety, 
the world is dark and scary and horrible. The truth is raw, right? So on that basis, here's another useful question. Why have thousands of medical professionals, including both alternative and mainstream doctors, nurses, PhDs, nutritionists, therapists, naturopaths, functional medicine doctors, why have these people been censored or actively removed from the internet for having different science, different opinions, different education, and different data? Why don't they want us to hear what those people have to say? I think that's a good question, right? And anybody that says, oh, I want to hear that from a doctor and you present a doctor that isn't telling them the story they want to hear, that person's a wanker. <laughs> Quite simply, remember, that person's attached to the answer they want to hear. That's not how we, that's not how we cultivate a culture of truth. You want, to be, you want to be attached to the journey and excited about the curiosity that comes up from asking questions. And this all leads to the big whopper the big dog, the thing that we may never know the answer to, but is 100% a thousand times over worth asking. And I believe it's also worth acting upon or not acting upon until we have a clear answer. And that is, why are the governments of the world and the stakeholders, the people that benefit from mass vaccination, the vaccine stakeholders, why are they so desperately concerned with us getting this untested experimental fluid into every human on the planet. Now, that's an overwhelming question. Don't get me wrong. My brain falls apart at that question regularly because I don't know the answer. But remember, if you reach a question that you don't know the answer to, it doesn't mean the former destination or the former answer was good enough, right? You don't have to just fall back to your former question and be like, oh, well, I better listen to the question before. It simply means you haven't found the answer. You've just got to go about it in another curious and different and creative way. I was recently in a hotel in Tasmania, uh, recently in a bar with my family. I was down there, sadly, lost a family member. And I was in a conversation with the family and with the bar guy and with a trucker. And because I couldn't answer this question that I just shared with you, after an hour-long discussion with these people, and we were speaking to and had a brilliant, purely curious and, and honest conversation, but because this answer wasn't able to be provided by me, they literally said to me, see, you don't even know. And it's true. I don't know. I don't know why all the stakeholders, governments, pharmaceutical companies, and extremely controlling social media giants that invade every aspect of our private lives are all so heavily invested in driving this fluid into our veins. But remember, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Just because you don't have one piece of the puzzle doesn't mean the whole puzzle falls off the table. If it looks like shit, smells like shit, and tastes like shit, it's probably shit. (laughs) But you should probably confirm that by putting together some clinical trials to truly know what you're dealing with. And as well, collect people for those trials in a manner that is based on free will and human rights and rooted in the spirit of what is best for humanity. So... I want to take these questions away, and I know they're big ones. They're bloody doozies. I have meltdowns regularly with them. But they're, they're, these questions, I want you to take them away and talk about them with the people in your life, your partner, your family, your children. This is a confusing time to be raising children when there's so much misinformation in the world and you don't know who to trust. You don't know what's right and wrong. You know, Have these conversations. Cultivate a culture in your family and community of curiosity, of seeking the information that's out there right? And don't be satisfied until you've got heaps of different conflicting points of view because only then can you 
sift through the information and match it all up because I can guarantee you there's things that are right on the left and there's things that are right on the right, correct on the right. You know, it's there's not one holy grail truth and there's not one holy grail falsity, right? It's it's a it's a task, but we've got to create this culture of being excited about the learning experience that we've got to go through, right? Um, and remember, remember, this is challenging stuff, right? Just to get these conversations going. But remember that anyone that writes you off for simply asking is gaslighting you and they are someone that is simply a knobhead. (laughs) But the more questions and more real discussions we have around these topics, the more we might start finding power in our ability to relate to one another and unite under a collective movement forwards to finding and standing up for and protecting the truth. Remember the work we do now to make planet Earth better is the world your kids and grandkids will live in. And so I encourage you to not be silent and withdraw because silence is consent. And in silence, we find weakness and surrender. And I don't know about you, but I'm not here to live a lie. So whatever the truth may be, we should find it and we should fight for it. Boom. Mic drop. (laughs) If you love this episode and think someone you know needs to ask some different questions, share this episode with them. Maybe you can use me to bring up some challenging conversations at home. I don't mind being that guy for you. I don't mind being the scapegoat. So share this with a friend, a family member, a loved one, or your community if you feel like they may benefit. Let's crack some minds wide open. (laughs) Thanks, legends. Thanks for being here. I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.